For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Sometimes a story can be too familiar. As soon as the weather turns cold and the leaves transform into a panoply of color, churches start talking about stewardship. And invariably, this story gets introduced into so many of those conversations. And because it's so familiar, because we've heard it referred to so often in this context, We think we know it. We believe it has clear good people and bad people. The widow is the hero. She puts into the temple coffers all she has to live on, everything. She's good. Jesus commends her giving. We should be like her. The scribes are the villains. They strut around in long robes and scramble for the best seats in the synagogue and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace. What's more, they are greedy and they hide their greed behind ostentatious piety. Their long robes and their long prayers are cover for their love of money and power. All in the name of God. Scribes are bad. We shouldn't be like scribes. Be like the widow. Don't be like the scribes. Simple. Or maybe not. If this story is just a morality tale about what we need to do, if it really is the case that we are to be like the widow and not like the scribes, then we have our marching orders. Give everything away. All of it. All you have to live on. Who's first? I would volunteer to be first as an act of leadership, but I'd like to hang on just for a little while longer to the big screen 4K TV I got just this last year at least until football season is over. And then I need to figure out transportation and housing. And who am I kidding? I'm not giving everything away today, all I have to live on, and I suspect neither are you. And don't think it's lost on me that I'm standing before you in a long robe with this colorful stole And that I'll be walking the line in May at Austin Seminary where I will be conferred with a degree and a title. And the prayers I pray can sometimes be a little lengthy. And I do not mind getting a good seat at a concert. I enjoy being respected. I can be a little scribish at times. Let's face it, if this is simply a story about the scribes and the widows and and the widow and who we should be like, it's, it's pretty irrelevant to how we actually live and give. 
and it's fairly well impossible. Life and lives of faith particularly are much too complex to be reduced to heroes and villains. And these texts are much too complex to be reduced to simple morality tales. I think we can be helped to go deeper into this text by turning our attention to other characters who, because of the brilliant brushstrokes that paint the scribes and the widow, are easy to miss. It's easy to miss, for example, that the fact that Jesus does not compare this widow to the scribes at all. He compares her to rich givers who give out of their abundance, as he put it. She has put in more, he says, than any of them because she gave out of her poverty and they gave out of their abundance. Thus she gave everything away, all she had to live on. If we want to locate ourselves in this text, surely it is among those who are able to give out of our abundance. This is the way we give, I suspect. We can, we can give a percentage of our income, and we can imagine Jesus watching us make our estimates of giving today and then reminding us that this widow has given far much more. It's also easy to miss those to whom Jesus is speaking when he points out the widow's offering. He calls the disciples over, sits down, and teaches them. He speaks about her gift to them. And in Mark's gospel, the disciples are almost always a stand-in for the church. So Jesus has a word for us in this text, those who are gathered in his name. The word is radical. Look at this widow. Really look at her. See what she has done. See what she has given. What would it mean to be the kind of church that gives in this way? This kind of generosity, this kind of hospitality. But again, we must be careful here. It's far too easy to lay a guilt trip on ourselves or on others. It's far too easy to belittle our good faith attempts to give even out of our abundance. It's also easy to do the same thing to the church, to constantly beat the drum that our giving and our living is not up to widow's standards, which are, it seems, impossible. It's not until we consider the most overlooked character in this story that things maybe can come into focus. He stands at the silent center of so many of our texts and yet can often be ignored. Jesus himself is the primary character in this story. Jesus himself is the center of our lives as disciples. Jesus himself is the great head of the church that follows him. Where is Jesus when he makes this observation? 
He is in Jerusalem. He is, his face is turned and fixed on the cross. This is the last story in Mark's gospel before Jesus will begin engaging with his enemies in a way that ensures that he will give away everything. All he has, all of himself, for the sake of the world God loves. The widow's offering is a foreshadowing of Jesus' offering. He is the only one who can really give this offering. It is this act of generosity that reveals the beating heart of God's love, of God's desire to be one with us in every way. We've been talking all year about the fact that stewardship is about raising disciples of Jesus Christ and not raising money. It's as we follow Christ, as we take up our cross in response to the generosity of God poured out for us in creation, in response to the fact of our being alive in this abundant world, in response to Jesus Christ's love for us that takes him to the cross and to the resurrection. It is in this following, in this grace, that we find the strength and indeed the joy to give not just our money, but our very lives. Our devotion writer asks us in today's devotion, why do we give? And he answers his question, because God gives. This is the only reason we give. God is the only one who can give perfectly and completely. Our giving in response is never going to be perfect. It's never going to be complete. I think what God asks of us this day and every day are lives lived in response to God's gracious giving. God asks of us a certain posture in the world that has to do not just with a percentage of our lives, but with the totality of our lives. Our giving to the church is just part of that larger gift of ourselves in discipleship. And this has to do with how we spend not 10% of our money, but all of our money. It has to do with what we do with all of our time. It has to do with what we do with all of the gifts God has given us. It has to do with how we treat our neighbor. It has to do with how we respond to those who are different from us or who differ with us. It has to do with hospitality and generosity of resources and spirit. It has to do with compassion. It has to do with how we treat the poor, the modern-day equivalent of the widow in our midst. God asks from us nothing less than lives centered in God. Such a life will never be perfect. That's why we live by grace. And that's why we practice receiving and giving forgiveness. But make no mistake, God is asking for our lives. The great joy in offering our lives to God is discovering that such a life is what Jesus calls abundant life.
It's the only life worth living. As we give ourselves away, we discover wellsprings of life and joy we never thought possible. Friends, this has been the story of our church and the church from the very beginning. The more we experience God's grace, the more we want to follow in Christ's way in the world. The more we follow Christ's way in the world, the more we want to give. The more we give in every way, we join into the flow of God's ceaseless giving. And God's love is made more manifest in a world that desperately needs to see it and feel it. A profound sign of that love awaits us at the table of the Lord where we remember God's giving of God's very self in Christ and we are joined more deeply to Christ and nourished for our living in the world. Let us come to the table to receive with joy. Let us leave from the table to give with joy, all for the sake of Christ and always, always to the glory of God alone. Amen. At this time...